evening, everybody. Let's all stand, and we'll start off with a word of prayer. Brother Steve, would you open us with
So many souls have tested him throughout the course of time. So many still reach out to him with broken hearts and minds. And every one of them will say, without exceptions that they find, Jesus never fails. brought his people through and then he came to show his love when he died for me and you and then he rose again to prove that every story has been true Jesus never fails Jesus never Sometimes this world brings troubles I find so hard to bear. I know I could not make it without Jesus being there. It's so encouraging to know, however deep we're in despair, that 
ladies appreciate that very much uh, I heard that the uh, ladies Christmas party went really great and uh, that Miss Caitlin may be a better preacher than uh, brother Lalo but uh, anyhow that's just a rumor I've heard floating around but uh, I do appreciate Miss um, Caitlin uh, taking the time prepare uh, that lesson presented, from what I understand, it was received very well. I appreciate that. And then it's been a joy to have uh, Mackenzie here, um, and uh, it's, it's kind of put Lalo in place, you know, and so uh, that's been a blessing. And um, so it's been good to have you, Kenzie, and you can just stay. You can, we, you can just move. That'd be great. But uh, anyhow, uh, so I had someone suggest to me uh, with Sunday coming uh, that maybe we do it just a little bit different on Sunday. You know, it's been real rushed and hurried and and maybe just slow it down. And so what was suggested to me is that we would just have a fellowship, uh, have some coffee and some donuts and those kind of things, and uh, then we'll have a devotion uh, in that time. Uh, but uh, that's, that's going to be the game plan, Okay. Uh, we'll start at 9.30 like normal. Uh, we'll have the coffee pot on. Uh, we'll have some donuts. We'll have uh, some orange juice and milk and that kind of stuff. Uh, so the only thing is I need the donuts, okay? And so Brother James said he'd take two dozen of those, and I'd like to have about ten dozen, and Richard will take two dozen of them, and uh, Mrs. Benson will take two dozen, or is that six dozen? Uh, and Brother Kaler is going to take two dozen, and Brother Steve's going to take two dozen. So there you go. We got ten dozen. I'll get the, once you get the milk, I'll get the OJ. And uh, we'll have Brother Benson make the coffee. And we'll just have a good time fellowship. And then we'll have a short devotional uh, together. And uh, you know, just enjoy fellowship with one another. I go to a lot of preachers meetings. And uh, they talk about uh, their preacher fellowships. But there was not much fellowshipping going on. Uh, we'd come, they would have preaching, we'd eat, there'd be more preaching, then we'd hit the road and go on, and we never really just sat and 
fellowshiped. And uh, one thing I think that we need a lot in our Christian life is fellowship, being able to encourage one another, strengthen one another. Uh, and I think that's the beauty of the local church. Uh, God's given us our local church, and I know uh, some uh, with COVID and everything, they've just never made their way back. And they're really missing out on one of the one of the great advantages of the local church, and that is the fellowship one with another. And I I just love the fact that our church feels like a family, and uh, I think it is so great. Um, I don't think I'd do well pastoring a huge church because um, I heard Brother Sam one time say it that uh, he pastored the staff, and the staff kind of helped pastor the whole church. Uh, I'm not that kind of guy. I like to be involved, and so um, I'm just so thankful for the church that God's given us, and we look forward to that uh, Sunday school. Uh, then we'll have regular morning service at 1030, and then we'll break for lunch, and then we'll come back at 1 o'clock, and we'll have the candlelight service. Um, we'll have uh, just a good time of fellowship there, so get that all planned. Plan to be with us. I know uh, it'll be a great blessing uh, for us all, and looking forward to it. Well, we've got uh, college kids home, and uh, before uh, Miss Alyssa goes back, she'll be ready to give us a testimony, I'm sure, of what the Lord's doing in her life. Um, but I, I happened to look at Jared on Sunday, and I said, you know, you're home. You ought to preach. And I hadn't been home because he'd been girling, okay? Uh, matter of fact, I saw on Facebook, Brother Jared, that the family went to Silver Dollar City, but you weren't in the pictures. I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, so I don't know. They, I, I thought they couldn't go without you, but they did. So anyhow, but it is good to have Jared home and uh, so thankful for him being able to help us this last summer. It was a uh, real uh, refreshing to myself and just having Brother Lalo. I think it was a great fit to have him here. And we were uncertain with the Marinos leaving exactly what all that was going to look like. But then God uh, fixed it so that uh, Lalo and Miss Caitlin could come. We'd already signed up Jared to be here. I, I just think it was really great, not knowing that we were going to have half the ceiling fall down and all the other good stuff. And uh, so I've, I've told Brother Lalo a couple of times, we've yet to really just get in the groove of functioning as a pastor and associate and just because we've been dealing with all this other stuff. So um, they got the last bit of paint on up here today. We got the insulation uh, blown in upstairs. So the last piece will be they'll come in and they'll clean all the chairs and they'll clean the carpet and uh, then we'll be done. So praise the Lord. We're this close. God's been so good to us. Uh, we have so much to be thankful for. And I'm thankful that Jared's here tonight and I'm thankful for his testimony. Um, you know, I. As pastor, I don't get a bunch of bad calls about our kids. Uh, you know, they call me if you're bad, okay? I know that because they call me about one of my sons quite often. But uh, anyhow, I'm glad that when I, when I talk to uh, my friends down there, it's always real positive and upbeat, and they're thankful to have the kids from our church. I'm thankful uh, to be able to be that sending church for them. I'm thankful they have a school close by. They can go and learn the important parts of being able to preach and be able to minister in ministry. And so, Brother Jared, you come preach for us tonight. All right, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Philippians chapter number two tonight. Philippians chapter number two. 
I'm very thankful for this opportunity Pastor has given me to preach again. I don't take it lightly, and it feels good to be home and to be back in this and to be back preaching. Um, I'm just very thankful for this and thankful for, again, the time we had this summer and the investment that was. Thankful to go back to school, learning a lot then again, and um, there's just a good break now. And just excited to see what, uh, preach what God laid on my heart. This passage has been dear to my heart and my life, and I'm just uh, excited to s- preach it to you guys tonight. So Philippians chapter number 2, verse number 1, if you can stand, we're going to read to verse number 16. I'll get started in verse number 1. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercy, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others." Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of a cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Tonight I want to preach a message entitled, The Humble Don't Mumble. So let's, get, let's pray and get into it. Jesus, uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this day and for this message you've laid on my heart. Just fill me with your spirit and give me the words to say, Lord. Just thank you for everyone being here and eager to hear from your word, Lord. Just help us to enjoy this time of fellowship and this time in your word, Lord. Just uh, bless us now and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. So it's Christmas time. This is a time that we all love, I'm sure, and this is a time that we give gifts. We spend time with family, we spend time with loved ones, we spend time with friends, we drink hot chocolate, we put up decorations, and so many other things that we could be done at Christmas time. And all these things are wonderful, and these things are great. And we enjoy these things and get excited about this time each and every year, because it's a great time, it's a time of love, and it's a time of fellowship. And many great memories and feelings, I'm sure, well up inside of us when we think of Christmas. I know that personally in my life, I love Christmas, I love this time, and I'm sure most of you do as well. So for, but for us as Christians, Christmas should mean so much more than just the things we do at Christmas time or who we spend it with. And I'm sure you guys understand this, and I know who I'm talking about, but each, there's a deeper meaning to Christmas for us. Because each of us that are saved have personally experienced what Christmas is all about. Um, we know the peace and the salvation that Jesus came down to this earth to provide. We know why the, we celebrate Christmas. We have been wonderfully saved by the one who created us and loves us. So for this reason, we can have a joy, and we should have a joy about Christmas that this world does not have, or cannot even have, because they do not know why, so, what the whole meaning of Christmas is all about. 
So um, we should not only have this joy, though, at Christmas time. This should be a thing we have all throughout our Christian life, all the time, all the year, thinking about what Jesus came to this earth to do for us. So I'm aware of who I'm speaking to tonight. I'm sure each of you have been saved, and each of you have expressed your thankfulness to Jesus this time for what he came to this earth to do. I'm sure we have all thought about this, and I'm sure that the story of Jesus is possibly even the first thing we all think about when we think of Christmas. Uh, it should be, at least, that we should think of Christmas and think of what Jesus did for us. That's why we celebrate it. And all those other things are great and fun, but we know the true meaning of it. And knowing these things, and who am I talking to, it is my desire for us to, tonight to think of the humility it took for our Lord and Savior Jesus to come down to this earth and to die for us, as we see in this passage. This act of submission and humility portrayed in the life of Jesus Christ is unlike anything this world had seen before and will ever see after. I submit to you that this is the greatest, most significant, and impactful moment in all of history. And it is all because Jesus was willing to be humble. So tonight it is my goal for us to see how great of a sacrifice Jesus made for you and I, and then the response we should have for, to this. So tonight in our passage that we read, Paul is giving the believers at Philippi instruction on the mind they were, ha to, were to have in the, their Christian life. Something we must know about this passage is the situation that these believers were in. Um, there at Philippi, the uh, people of that day would, been, would have been very uh, Roman-minded. They, the people, the culture there were, thought Caesar was king. What Caesar said, they did. What Caesar says goes. Caesar is our king. We follow him. We serve him. That, is the, that was the culture there at Philippi. And so when Paul came in and preached that there was only one true king, the king of kings and the lord of lords, and he was to be worshipped and he was to be served, there was pushback to that. There was people that didn't believe that because they believed Caesar was the king and that he was the only one, and they were, they were loyal to Caesar, not to God. And there were also those that were just the enemies of the cross. So we saw that there's... Uh, later in Philippians chapter 3, verse 18, he says that there were those that were enemies of the cross. There were these that were just not willing to accept what Jesus came, on this, came to this earth to do. There was people that were not willing to accept the gospel. So there was pushback to this. There, there were these people at uh, Philippi. Paul is writing this letter while he's in prison. He has just received a gift from these believers at Philippi. Uh, this church at Philippi, and he's expressing his thankfulness to them for that, and he's giving them instruction and some encouragement on how to keep going for the, uh, and what they're doing. And so he knows the situation they're in. He knows there's uh, persecution on them for these people that aren't agreeing with them. There's some um, ridicule, possibly, for those that are enemies of the cross. He knows what they're facing, and so he knows what they need to continue going into the, the furtherance of the gospel there in Philippi. And we see this in chapter number 1, verses 27 through 30. I'm going to read that real quick. It says this, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, there we see that there's some people against them, which is to, to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which he saw in me, and now here to be in me. So he's saying, you saw me do these things. You saw what I struggled with, and I know what you're dealing with. So here's what I need you guys to do. This is how you guys are going to face these challenges and further the gospel no matter what. So Paul is challenging them to work together here. He, is he said in verse number 27 that they were to have the same spirit so that they may further the gospel. 
he tells them that they have believed on Jesus Christ, and now they are, must suffer for him, and suffer for his sake. This suffering is made easier to bear when there are others to bear it with you. And he knows this to be true. So Paul, knowing the challenges facing them, and gave them the solution on how to overcome these challenges. And this solution would be unity among the believers. Unity in a same spirit and a same mind. So here we see the need for unity in verses 1 through 4 of our passage. Um, in these verses, Paul expresses his desires for these believers to live in unity. In verses number 1, we see, uh, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, then verse number two, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. So in verse one, basically what Paul is saying is if there is consolation in Christ, if there is comfort of love, if there is fellowship of the Spirit, then do this thing. He is giving them things that are known to be true, things that they have believed in, things that they have felt and that they have experienced in Christ. This is their unifying mark. They each have been saved and have belief in Christ. Since this is true, do this. Do what I'm about to say here later on in this passage. And this is just Paul beginning to encourage them. He's basing it on a solid truth that they have all experienced and they all know to be true. So he's saying um, that this mind then is further explained in verses 2 through 4. Um, I want to read those again just so that we get it fresh in our minds. It says, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem each other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Here's the mind Paul is saying they have to have. Here's the mind they have to have to be unified so that they can further their gospel despite the challenges ahead of them. So it is already obvious here that humility is required for these believers to be in unity. Humility is a key of this mind they are to have. Humility is absolutely necessary. And unity is not attained through each person looking out for themselves and neglecting others. He is saying that. Look not on yourselves, but look on others. Unity cannot be found if we're all just so caught up on ourselves. So he's saying unity is attained through a group of people having the same mind and goal, then working together to achieve that goal with that same mind. So it would not be possible for these believers there at Philippi to suffer for Christ, to further their gospel, if they did not each, each, every single one of them, have the same mind of humility to serve each other rather than themselves. So this mind is one of humility. It is serving others before yourself. This is what Paul is saying. Paul knew that there was going to be those that would struggle with this. I mean, I know if you don't struggle with this, then you're not human or you're Jesus. And I know you're not Jesus. So, but <laughs> Paul knew that people were going to struggle with thinking on themselves. He knew this is just a thing we struggle with. We have pride in our lives. This is something that we're going to struggle with. And, and we seek to bring glory to ourselves. Um, and we often think of ourselves as worthy of so much more or that we are all that in a bag of chips. But this is not beneficial in any way. That's what Paul is saying. This is not helping any cause. This is just helping you in your mind. But it's not helping any, and it causes disunity. It causes even more challenges within the brethren on top of the challenges outside of the brethren. So he's saying this needs to be cast out of our lives. We need to do, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Paul knew that it was in our nature to think highly of ourselves. And we see his personal struggle with this in Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 8. I want to read that real quick. He says this, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. He's saying, I, if anyone can trust in themselves, it's me. 
Here's why. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I counted all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Paul struggled with this feeling of, I got this. this is, I got all this on myself. I'm all that. He struggled with this. But, and he makes it clear that if anyone was had to have confidence in themselves, it was him. He had it. Uh, he had it all made. He had everything going for him. But he found out that he, it was better for him to lose it all so that he may win Christ. For the knowledge of Jesus Christ. He realized that becoming more like Jesus Christ was more important to him than anything he, had, he was or that he had ever done. To be unified, Paul is saying, requires that no one be caught up in themselves. Nobody be thinking so highly of themselves. It takes humility to realize this. And it takes humility to realize that we are all just sinners in need of redemption. There's nothing greater about anyone else. We have all sinned and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And if we have been saved, then we are all saved by the same grace. There's nothing special about ourselves. And so we need to realize this, that we deserve eternity in hell. We don't deserve anybody to give us anything. We deserve eternity in hell. That's the only thing we've ever earned. But everything we have been given besides that is because of God's goodness and his love towards us. With that perspective in mind, then it only seems reasonable that we should not do things through strife or vainglory, as our passage says. But we must seek to know and be like Christ, as Paul says, that he may win Christ. Thankfully, Paul tells us how to become more like Christ in our passage in verses number 5 through 11. Let's read those again. He says, let this mind be in you, the mind he had just explained. Let this mind be in you, not just because I said so, but because it was in the Lord Jesus Christ, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. There's the Christmas story right there. He came down to be a man. He came down to be in our flesh. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God has also, also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is what I love so much about this passage. Is Paul's not just telling these people to do these things because he says so. He is basing it on, on truths that they have experienced in Jesus Christ and Jesus as Christ's perfect example himself. He's not saying, listen, don't do it because I'm telling you. Do it because this is what Jesus did. This is what we're supposed to do because this is what Jesus did. This is the mind Jesus had. And if we are to further his gospel, then why don't we do it the way he did it and the way he tells us to do it? With a mind of humility. Um... If Jesus then had this mind, what is our excuse of not having this mind? If the, one, the perfect Son of God, who was God himself, was willing to humble himself to come to be a man, to live in this sinful world, but yet be sinless, why do we think we don't have to have humility? Why do we think, oh, we're, we're exempt from this, but Jesus did it, so what, what, we have no excuse. Jesus was in heaven with his Father in the glories of heaven, and he was perfection living in perfection yet he was willing to humble himself become of no reputation and become a servant to his creation what great humility this is 
Never could there be a greater demonstration of humility than this. The perfect and sinless Son of God came down from his home in heaven to serve his creation. This act of loan of coming to earth as a servant in human flesh was greater than any act of humility we could ever do in our lives. It's because we, we've not, we're not perfect. <laughs> he left heaven for us. But not, this is not all he did. He came and he died for our sins. He bore our sins and he rose again. This is amazing. This is the perfection of humility. The one who knew no sin took upon him the sins of the world and died for these sins. Because of this, God has now given him a name above every name. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is a hard thing to imagine. Because this world we live in, they are living completely in opposition to God. If they are living in sin and if they are... The way with the things we are seeing, we are seeing people turn God's truth into a lie, into what they want to do. And it's hard to imagine that these people will one day kneel, kneel at God and worship his name and proclaim that he is Lord. But it's going to happen. This is going to happen. And the good thing about for us is we get a head start on this. We get to start worshiping him now. We get to praise him now. We get to thank him now because of what he did. And we get to humbly submit ourselves to him and live for him as he has commanded us to do and as he humbled himself for us. But how often are we amazed at this humility Jesus displayed in coming to this earth? It is an amazing thought that the God of creation would come down to us to save us. This is an amazing thing, and it must cause us to stand in awe and be thankful. The one who deserves to be served came not only to serve, but to die for us. Since Jesus was willing to do this for us, then we ought to be willing to humble ourselves for him. It only seems reasonable. So let's do it. Here, I think in verses 12 through 16, we see this humility, this mind lived out. So let's read those verses here. He says, Wherefore, because Jesus Christ had this mind, because this is the mind you are supposed to have, because you guys need unity to further the gospel that God has given us, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, you have a track record of obeying God's word, not as in my presence, but now much more in my absence. They're growing. These Christians are growing and they're doing well. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain." Because of what Jesus has done, because of his perfect examples, these believers in Philippi were to serve the Lord with their lives in a humble way, in a humble mind. But, and up to this point, they continued in God's word and they obeyed in it. They obeyed it, but now they must do what Jesus saved them to do. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. God saved us for a purpose. God has saved them for a reason. It is, and I believe most, if not all of us in here tonight, are saved. You're a Wednesday night crowd. I believe you guys are, have all saved and you desire to hear from God's word. So if you are indeed saved, then you should desire to live a humble life. God has saved us for a reason, but we must be humble to do that thing he has saved us for. For, for if we are humble, then we will recognize that God and no one else owes us anything. 
If we got what we deserve, then we would be in hell, like I've said before. But since God has saved us from that, then we must be humble people. And another thing to add here is if we ever do something for Christ, it's not us doing it. It's God doing it through us. It says there in verse 13, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God has saved us. He has brought us from our dead nature and sin and given us a life and a home in heaven. And now he says, I want to work through you. I want to do things for you. I have things for you to do. You just need to submit. You need to humbly submit to what I have called you to do so that the gospel can be furthered, so that you guys can be lights in this world, this crooked and perverse generation, he says. There's, and in this world today, we know there's crooked and perverse things going on. There is sadness, there's darkness all around us. And God is saying to us now, I have something for you guys to do. I, you guys need to hold forth the word of life. You need to be humbly submitted to me so that I can, through you, do what I have called you to do. We must be humble for this to happen. The humility God desires for us is to him first and then to others. It's to him to say, Lord, we're going to do your will. We're open vessels for you. Then we go and serve others. We let him work through us. And this is the act of humility God is asking us to have. This is the mind we are each to have unified in with humility. When we are humble before God, then we desire to do whatever he asks of us because we want to please him, because of what he has done for us, because of the humility he has portrayed for us and the love he has shown towards us. But we are not truly humbly, humble if we are constantly murmuring and complaining about the things God has for us to do or the things that we have to do for Christ. If we are constantly saying, oh, i got to go soul winning, got to go to church again, or I have to clean the church, it's my week, I don't even know why I signed up for this thing, this is where the title, The Humble Don't Mumble, comes in to play. If we are humbly submitted to what God has called us to do, we're going to be excited about what we get to do for Christ. Because of what he has done for us, we're going to be excited. We're going to say, I want to do this. I want to do what God has called me to do. I want to serve him in any way I possibly can. So I'm not going to murmur and complain. I'm going to be joyful, and I'm going to share what he has done in my life, and I'm going to be a light to this world that needs light, that has so lost in darkness. This is the attitude of humility God wants for us to have. And I am thankful that this church has had that mind, has had this act of, I want to serve, I want to get in. We have had VBSs, we have people that clean the church, and I, I believe we're doing it out of our love for God. I believe that's good. I'm thankful for that. And Paul is saying he's thankful for what those churches in Philippi, Philippi has been doing. But he's saying, continue, keep going. You can't get so caught up on yourself. You've got, you got to keep going. There's things that are going to hit you and going to make you try and go off track, but you got to continue. You guys have to be unified. You have to be humbly submitted unto God and humbly submitted to each other that you are willing to help each other continue in what God has called us to do. This is God's perfect plan for us as today and for those believers there in Philippi because there's challenges coming our way. The devil doesn't want us doing what we're doing here. He's going to try and throw a wrench in God's plans, but if we are faithful to God, if we are faithful to be humbly submitted to him and helping each other out, then we can face these challenges and keep going. And we can be a light. And this is what God has called us to do. I love Hebrews chapter number 12, verse 2. It says this, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus has given us an example, a perfect example to follow. 
So we as Christians need to continue looking unto Jesus. We need to continue being faithful to the God that has been faithful to us. We need to continue looking unto Jesus, what he has done, the joy that was set before him. He was glad to bear our burdens. He wanted to bring us back to heaven with him. He wanted a relationship with us. For the joy that was set before him, he did these things for us so that we can have a relationship with him. So let's look unto him. Let's be thankful for that. Let's be humbly submitted unto him and do what he has called us to do and be unified in this and to continue no matter what comes our way. And this is what Christmas is all about. And the Christian life, this is what it is. Jesus came down to earth. He became man. He lived a, sinful, a sinless, perfect life, died on the cross and rose again and has given us a home in heaven so that we may now serve him and so that others may go to heaven as well. This is why we celebrate Christmas. This is why Christmas is so important. It is about being thankful for what Jesus has done for us. Then because of all he has done, we humble ourselves and seek to do what he has saved us to do. As believers today, we are to follow the perfect example of Jesus Christ by living humbly in his sight. In doing this, we shine forth God's truth towards others rather than serving ourselves. So this Christmas time, I want to encourage you guys, I want to challenge you guys to be reminded, to think of the humility Jesus had to have to do what he did for us. The humility it took for him to leave heaven and to come down for us. Then I want us to ask ourselves some questions. Uh, the first question I would ask would be, would Jesus be pleased with my attitude of humility? Would he be pleased with how I am doing what he has called me to do? Or am I just doing things because people are making me to do this or people are watching? This is what it's expected of me. Would he be pleased with it? Are we having an attitude that is desiring to do this? Next question would be, when was the last time that I was truly humble as Jesus was and would have me to be? Next question would be, am I a cause of disunity because I'm caught up on myself? It's so easy for us to look on others, but we must start with ourselves. That's where it begins, and we must start with ourselves so that we may be unified with the brethren. Have I been truly thankful for what Jesus did for me in coming to this earth to die for me this Christmas season? Has my faith caused me to have to sacrifice some things, and has it led me to service? If your faith hasn't led you to these things, then your faith is dead. Your faith is not only meant to be placed in Jesus Christ to save you, it is then supposed to be used for you to live your daily Christian life, to sacrifice things for Christ, to live for Him, to trust He knows best, His plans best, and to do what He tells us to do. That's what God desires of us. And that's what we must be unified in. We've all experienced what Christmas is all about, that Jesus saved us. We've all experienced these things. And since there is consolation in Christ, and there is comfort of love, and there is fellowship with the Spirit, then do as he has commanded us to, us to do. Have a mind of humility and be unified in this because there's a world out there that needs us, that needs us to be true and humbly submitted to our God. Jesus has given us so much more than we deserve. So let us live thinking of all that he has done for us and let us be humbled at this thought. This Christmas season, may we not forget what God came to this earth to do. Then let's humble ourselves before God, desiring to hold forth the word of life to a world that needs it. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this time that we have here in your word, Lord. Just thank you so much for what you have done for us. It's, we don't deserve it at all, but you love us, and you were humble enough to submit yourself to your Father's plan. Help us to humble ourselves before you and to follow you, Lord. I, I love you so much, and I thank you for everything you've done. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.
Now this time we're not going to have the piano play, but I just feel like we need to thank God for what he has done for us this Christmas season. I feel like we need to just pray and thank the Lord for humbling himself and sending his son to die for us and for Jesus being obedient to that. And then let's, in, let's reflect. Let's think about, hey, are we being humble as we should? Are we submitted to what God has for us? So we'll take some time with that, and then I'll uh, have Jimmy come up with the prayer request.